bird to your mother it's time for another episode of birds with friends just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the eagles eating teams like bacon steaks and cheese it's philadelphia bow and shield in the cut picking it cooler than two penguins till bow's old arch nemesis greg cosell shows up and it gets real pull up a branch and chill it's time to get ill with some birds with friends the early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some birds with friends bow wolf and shukapati are coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings i'm gonna have the rest of my life with these kids wow we gotta get that in a drop uh immediately there's no editing no no editing on this podcast that's the wonderful birds with friends no editing (laughs) hello everybody and welcome to an emergency podcast, Bo Wolf, Shilkapadia, Zach Berman here. As the Eagles, after a quiet Wednesday, make a bit of a splash on Thursday morning. And uh, maybe a bit of a splash that will drown them, I guess. And it is the acquisition of cornerback Darius Slay from the Detroit Lions. 29-year-old Darius Slay in exchange for a third-round pick. The good third-round pick of their two third-round picks. And a fifth-round pick. And uh, we're going to talk about it. So uh, let's do that. But before we do that, uh, I think everybody, the listeners have been clamoring. They need to know, was there a resolution to the splinter situation, Mr. Capadia? There has not been. It is still an issue. Whoa. They're, they're, they're still in there. My <laughs> wife tried to get in there in the middle of the night. She made some progress. But then, uh, as I mentioned, Leela is a light sleeper. She moved. She opened her eyes. My wife ran out. Big disaster. Uh, I'm of no help. I, I was told by friends to just go with sort of the uh, forceful method where one parent just sort of holds the child and the other one gets the splinter out. You, you know, you're going to have a little bit of screaming and crying, but then it's over. We tried that. Uh, again, she just makes a fist. And, and then my wife tells me to go easy. I'm going to, you know, hurt or break her fingers, which obviously is not my intention. And so a complete <laughs> disaster. So if anybody has, it's really added even more stress to the Kapadi household, which is already a high stress environment. The, uh, the, the coronavirus is certainly testing, uh, testing families at this time. Many people dealing with many more serious issues than I am. But uh, that's where the Kapadis are right now. And Zach, uh, can we get an update on the potty training? Uh, it's it's going well. Uh, we, Incremental progress. Yeah, we transitioned now to to uh, the underpants are on. Nice. So we're at yeah, so we're at that stage. Uh, so That's, it's, that it's, feels like a, that feels like a drop. Zach saying <laughs> the underpants are on. <laughs> no. Oh, yes. Yeah. True. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not familiar with, with all these different types of uh, methods for potty training. The method we're using is in, in, and she'll let me know if this is the one you did where they, they walk around the house naked for like a period of time. Uh, and then they kind of go to the underpants and then they're comfortable enough that, 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 that they know when they're supposed to go. So we've done that this week and it's, uh, so far, so good. Four days into it. No, I don't think we did. I, I don't think we did that. I think uh, we did do the one where you stay home for three days and right. like just every half hour, hour, we're telling them to go sit on the potty. Uh, listen, our kids have had issues with a lot of different things. <laughs> they are by no means angels, <laughs> but but pot, but potty training was uh, was the one thing that uh, they actually did at a uh, at a very nice. high level. So uh, I we, we were lucky in that respect. Well, now I'm worried that if, if, if this isn't like a popular method and it's, it's just something that, that, that it sounds odd that I've had my kid walk around naked for, for three days. So Fair enough. Well, uh, okay. And uh, before we get into uh, the Darius Slay trade and probably appropriate um, connections to, uh, you know, the emperor has no clothes, somebody walking around naked and uh, also just, uh, you know, having a splinter in your finger in terms of the pain of the deal. But uh, before we get to that, uh, we did want to say that uh, we have a, we have set up a, a fundraising page at No Kid Hungry. We want uh, we want something good to come of uh, the the situation we're in right now. So if you go there, I was under the impression you could leave a message when you donated and you could leave a question, but it doesn't look like that is the case. And so if you do uh, make a donation of any size, uh, please let us know. Maybe take a screenshot and uh, ask us a question, and we'll be happy to answer it on the podcast. But um, yeah, we found we thought this would be a, a good 
a good way to uh, make something of the time that we are all spending here. Very good, and thank you for setting that up. And we already have over a thousand dollars. So yeah. uh, I was expecting nothing less from the listeners, and that was just with a couple simple tweets. So I'm sure it will uh, skyrocket here. I-, I wasn't listening as usual, so I don't know if you mentioned this, but the way to get to it is to uh, check our Twitter pages. Right? Mm-hmm. There's no like shortcut. It's a uh, it's it's join dot dot org slash go to slash birds with friends but the easiest way is certainly just to go to go to our twitter pages there you go all right let's get all to right it. let's get to the fireworks because i'm ready to get uh, lathered up in anger about about this deal zach why don't you uh, why don't you give us the specifics uh i got a text from you guys as i was uh, making my first foray outside the house since last friday went to uh the local grocery store this morning very uh very empty which was good i had my Oyster shucking gloves on to protect uh, to protect the hands, and uh, it was a uh, it was a big trip. But it turns out that it was uh, to be overshadowed by uh, Howie Roseman's wheeling and dealing. So, uh, as as you referred to at the top of this, the Eagles acquired Darius Slay, three time Pro Bowl cornerback, twenty nine years old, um, for a third round pick and a fifth round pick. It's the original third round pick. I think you termed it the better of the two which is accurate. Um, and then they uh, sign or, or they're signing him to an extension, a three year contract extension worth $50 million with, uh, with 30 million guaranteed. Is that, hold on here. I'm just pulling that up to confirm that. Yes. With, with 30 million guaranteed, it's important to note, this is an extension, not a new contract. So it gets added on to his current deal. So, the extension would 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 make him the highest paid cornerback in the NFL in per year salary, but when you view it as a four year deal because it's being added on to the previous one, it's a it's a little less than that. So it's 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 kind of in the fifteen range. Either way, a significant commitment for the Eagles, major upgrade at cornerback, but also and we're going to get into this. Uh, you're factoring in the 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 contract the draft pick compensation the age there's there's a lot to discuss here um the give pot the give proper credit last night josina anderson from espn uh said that the eagles were trying to work out an extension with darius Slay, and then uh the um then this this morning i believe it was adam schefter who first reported that the deal was done um some bio stuff jim schwartz or uh, uh, jim schwartz was the head coach in detroit when slay was drafted there um so if you're looking at the cohabitation matrix uh someone who has a lot of clout with the eagles defense uh was the one who was in favor of picking slay back then we got to say very quickly uh as you gave Justin anderson credit like who has dominated an organization more than Josina anderson has dominated the eagles over the past 12 months i mean she's just owning them Yeah, she's 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 doing a very good job. It's like, she's doing a very good and a head-to-head yes. thing. They keep trying to get these leaks, and then she's just coming over the top every time. Greta, where do? Sheil, are you still there? Oh yeah, okay. I, I I didn't know if you were done. I didn't know if you had like other media takes or. Uh, I got lots or of media what? takes. Or, Okay. Well, uh, okay. So here, here's sort of the, we'll, we'll get to probably every detail of this trade, but let's get to sort of the, the big picture thing. And we wrote a piece uh, on the athletic. Of course you can read it, uh, theathletic.com slash birds with friends, right? Do I have that right? 40% yes, 40% off, uh, for a subscription, people continue to use that, and we appreciate it. And it, you know, it was pretty predictable that you know there are some comments in there saying that uh, we were too negative or we have the wrong read on this deal, all those different types of things. And you know, I think it's good to have some of those uh, from time to time. You never want to be the reporters who are delivering the company line or being the mouthpiece from the company or saying that everything they do is fantastic. You know, I, I think we have a pretty strong track record each of us individually of when we like something we we say we liked it and we thought it was a good move and when we don't like it yeah. we say it wasn't a good move so you know that that's just sort of the, the part of the job so listen there's always a wide range of outcomes with deals like this and really with every big move so we're not saying at least i'll speak for myself i'm not saying that this is not going to work out 
that he's going to come in and be a complete bust and that, uh, you know, this is going to be uh, a complete disaster. There's a scenario where he comes in, he plays well, he gives the defense a boost, and all of a sudden it looks like a different unit next year. I, I do have an issue with the process, and I really, if, if I'm looking at this entire sort of offseason as a whole, I have a lot of questions about the direction this organization is going in. And yes. so when you look, you look at it, I mean, Darius Slay is – 29 years old. That's certainly not ancient, but the guy turns 30 in January. You're paying him 16.7 million for his 31, 32, and 33 year old uh, seasons. As of now, that's the highest uh, annual salary uh, of any cornerback in the NFL. And now really those, what they're not do- locked into those. The end of the, that contract, right? Just to uh, clarify, I don't know what the guarantees are. I don't know that anyone has the exact. Uh, I think especially structure. the fourth year is is okay. unlikely. But go ahead. Okay, uh, but that's I mean that's pretty right. much every, de- every of course, four of years course. in in the NFL, and so you know what you're really doing is paying for uh, paying a premium for past performance for a player whose play is most likely to decline. I mean, that that is sort of my big issue with this, is that you're giving up draft compensation. Everyone agrees that Darius Slay has been a really good player, you know, one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. If you if you told me, hey, you're going to get the Darius Slay that was in the league from uh, 2013 to whatever, 2018, 2019, that's what you're getting for the next four years, then I would look at it differently. But you have to project in these situations. And Howie Roseman told us after the season that the roster needs to get younger. And this is not a position where players age very well. Outside cornerbacks tend to uh, fall off a cliff at some point. And so you look at all the other options you had, and we'll get to those. I want to hear your your guys' big picture views initially. But uh, I don't like this move. You know, we were on the record a week ago saying, uh, I think all of us, or at least I know I was, mm. you guys can speak for yourself, that I this is not a move I would have made. It didn't make sense to me. And so I'm not going to change and just give you the flowery uh, opinion of the organization now that it actually happens and change my mind. I still do not like the deal, and it's not a deal I think they should have done. I hate this move, and I think that it lays bare that there really uh, there's no real plan. Because for first of all, for all the, the things you just said about cornerback, uh, it's a position where like year to year performance is not super sticky to begin with. You did a good job pointing out on the grades like uh, Xavier Rhodes and AJ Boye were all pro corners two years ago, and one got whacked, and the other got traded for a, a fourth or fifth round pick. Uh, and it's a position where. Uh, you, you lose a little bit of athleticism, and all of a sudden that makes a huge difference. The Eagles have certainly seen that with high-priced uh, cornerbacks that they have acquired in the past. The second thing, the age thing, they've, you, know, you, you say you want to get younger, so okay, you get rid of Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, he's 32. If you had just uh, signed a corner and a, and a safety, you would have one old player in Malcolm Jenkins, and now you have two in Rodney McLeod and Darius Slay. It's not like they got younger in the secondary. All of that is aside. They're making this decision because uh, they're compounding the errors of the Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas draft picks. Uh, they have messed up the cornerback evaluations throughout the process over the past couple of years, and so they're, they're compounding it here. But the big thing is you want a cornerback, go out and pay Byron Jones. They were in on Byron Jones. They could have just offered more money, and instead of also giving up a third and fifth round pick – they would just have a younger player making probably more money than you're, you're comfortable with. If you're willing to trade for a guy and extend him, they should have just traded for DeAndre Hopkins because that's a better player, a younger player, and a player at a more impactful position and a de- more desperate need for this team. If you're willing to trade for uh, a guy who has been, you know, by all accounts, a bit of a malcontent over the past uh, 12 months trying to get out of his situation then trade for Stefan Diggs and uh, it's just this is like they, they tried to get Byron Jones they we all know that they tried to get Byron Jones and it's like they panicked to get Darius Slay you know what happened to drafting for volume now they've got two picks in the top 100 they go from 10 picks to eight but the third pick's not going to be till the very end of the third round and if you really want that receiver, the position that they need the most, that is still a glaring hole. They need two receivers, 
And what if one of those guys slides? All of a sudden, they have less draft ammunition now to move up because they just got rid of this third-round pick. I, I think this trade is like uh, they di- what, what they really wanted to happen didn't happen, and so now they're panicking, and it's like uh, the, you really want to get younger. You have to be patient, and this is like the uh, millionth example of this front office, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. They swing for the fences, but they are not patient, and I, I, I just I hate this move. I think it is the exact type of move that a bad organization makes. I do have a bit of housekeeping that, that, that uh, we should cover. Um, and she'll mention the promo code with birds with friends, but also if you don't subscribe to the athletic and you click on the, the, the link that Bo tweeted out or she'll tweeted out, or I tweeted out of our story today, you can get 90 days free. It's a promotion that, uh, the athletics running now, it's a no risk promotion. Um, so you can subscribe for a 90 day free trial. Um, just, I just want to point that out. And Sorry before, while, while you point that out, I will point out that uh, top performers in business and sports, Zach, often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise, or meditation. But not everyone has the time to do it all. With Hydrant, a new sponsor, you can jumpstart your mornings. Did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We are suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or variety packs. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code BIRDS at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code BIRDS for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com, promo code BIRDS. There you go. Um, so a lot to un- unpack here based on what you guys said. And I, I think there's validity to what you both said, and I agree with not all of it, but s- some the much. I, I do think you need to acknowledge that they got a talented football player. Uh, that this is a, a an area that's been a weakness for them, and they improved their secondary. So all the team building elements, I agree with with what you said. But but on the field, they're a better football team having Darius Slay. Um, I I did a podcast earlier with Chris Burke, um, uh, the uh, Lions writer for us. Mm, up, did you up shout in us Detroit. out? What's that? Did you shout us out? I uh, I did not actually no it was it was an athletic podcast with with our friend Kent where we just had like a five minute conversation about um, Slay I, I did not mention Birds with Friends mm. I should have taking I apologize. taking Bo's lead there huh <laughs> no no that's national podcast you have to do that oh okay yeah. uh, or I suppose this is a national podcast I I, I meant out of company podcasts <laughs> um, in any event uh, Chris was saying that uh, he thinks that uh, that that slay can benefit being in the Eagles scheme doesn't think he was kind of a great fit for the way patricia was using him um doesn't know if he's quite the player that he was during his all pro year but but still thinks he's a legitimate number one cornerback um and and that's that's what the eagles have lacked that's what the eagles need they're paying a premium because like bo said they missed out on Sidney Jones and, and Russell Douglas. They also traded a third-round pick for Ronald Darby. That didn't work. Uh, in, in, in and Jordan Matthews, kind of sl- who has several 60-catch yes. seasons to his credit. Well, well hold on. I no, think you guys are solidifying the position in terms okay. of having like, yeah. your long-term corner. It, it, they, they won a Super Bowl with right. Darby and, and with Mills as your starters. And, and, and they did well, yeah, and Rasul what does that Douglas, tell you? I, that, I don't think Rasul Douglas is a – I mean, that's a, that's a good pick. Yeah, I think it's a fine pick. Yeah. In, no, I'm saying in, in in terms of getting your long term answer, yeah. that's what I okay. mean. 
Okay. Um, you, the the reason you're looking for this, the the reason Byron Jones was their top target, uh, the the reason they make this trade for Slay is because they they're paying a price for not filling it organically, which they tried to do. Um, now I'm in the camp that just just pay up a little more for Jones, uh, who's two years younger. You don't have to give up the draft picks. Um, I, 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 I wrote that. I, I believe that. But once you miss out on Jones, for whatever reason, uh, I kind of applaud them for not just throwing money at the next cornerback. If they, and from, from my understanding, they weren't enamored with what else was on the market at the position. So they get creative. They look at the trade market. Once you miss out on Jones, this is probably the, the best player you're going to be able to acquire. Do you guys agree with that? I don't know. What, I mean, what the if they – The best corner that they're going to be able to yeah, acquire? The best the best corner, maybe. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. In, what in what if there's a younger corner they could have given up a second-round pick for? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. I just think that, that the, the reason Slay is being moved uh, is because of the salary demands. The Eagles clearly were, were, were willing to meet it. I, my guess is their spin uh, behind the scenes would, would be, well, if you look at it over a four-year deal instead of the, the three-year extension, they're actually paying less than, than kind of the top of the market. Um, ultimately, it's, if, if Slay doesn't regress sharply uh, in year two, I would say, then, then it's fine. Um, if Slay regresses once he hits hits that kind of that age thirty mark, uh, then it's a problem. Then it's a it's 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 like what you, what you guys said. It's it's uh, reactionary. It's poor planning. Um, it's it's all of the above. Uh, but I, I I think it's important to acknowledge that for the 2020 season, they're better having Darius Slay on their roster than Maybe. just going into it with Jones, Douglas, Maddox. Uh, and figuring someone out, uh, a, a, a Leotis McKelvin type inexpensive signing just to be a band-aid at the position. Maybe. Slay's but not that's, a but, that, but that's, not fi- that's not a fair way to look at it. So it has to be you feel confident that they're going to be better with Darius Slay than they would have been wherever else they spent that money plus a third-round pick plus a fifth-round pick. Right. Uh, this year, all all of those factors. And guess what? They still have all kinds of long-term needs. They need at least two receivers. They need a starting interior offensive lineman. They need a starting defensive end. They probably need another defensive tackle. They need a starting safety. And guess what? Slay's 29. They need to replace him in a couple years. And they only have two picks in the top 100 now. Wait, they need another defensive tackle? Well, Maybe. Did did Howie Roseman just take over your microphone or something? Okay, okay. Take out defense. <laughs> take out defensive tackle. I mean, Fletcher Cox is still twenty nine, but yeah. Okay, oh, oh, I want to be long term. You mean long term? Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm talking about long term yeah. needs I that they need to fill. No, 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 no. I'm saying these are these are long term needs they need to address. You sure. can do that in the draft, and they only have two picks in the top one hundred to do it. Okay, so here's what I want to uh, well that that yeah that's right. I mean, drafting for volume is not overall number of picks. You know, as we've discussed in the past, you each team probably internally has sort of a uh, you know some kind of distribution or model about when you want to take a lot of a uh, lot of swings, a lot of bites at the apple, whatever you want to call it. And certainly, I mean, two in the top 100 is not great. Exactly. Given what you just said, if you're looking to get younger as a roster and sort of, you know, extend, um, you know, kind of give yourself a chance at sustained success, then that is not the best way to do it. Now, I want to get back to a couple of things, a few things. So let's start with the Byron Jones, DeAndre Hopkins stuff. So uh, my big issue is that this is not. Yeah. Like the way to achieve sustained success in the NFL is through an efficient passing game. And you you are going into this. You have done nothing to help the passing game at all. There was an opportunity out there. Pro Football Talk reported that. So the Eagles were not blindsided by the DeAndre Mm -hmm. Hopkins trade. They were involved in the DeAndre Hopkins trade, and they pulled out because of contract and compensation scared them. This is insane. It is insane. I mean, so reports are that DeAndre Hopkins wanted between 18 and 20 million on a new contract. 
by the way, that's perfectly reasonable. Right. I mean, the guy's 20, 27 years old. That's near the top of the market. That is something you would certainly do in a heartbeat. That is something that helps you achieve sustained success in the passing game for the next three to five years. And I guess mean, what? It frees your up your first round pick. You don't have to take a receiver yes, there. Best player like, available. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. It, it, it completely opens things up. And now the compensation obviously would have been more than Slay, but it certainly doesn't sound like, sound like you were going to pay something crazy for DeAndre Hopkins, given what Bill O'Brien accepted for him. So that really that that's like my number one issue. I totally agree. With this, is that they were in on that, they backed out of that, and then they did this. Makes no sense to me. And then with Byron Jones, you know, Zach, you painted the picture of they were in on Byron Jones, they didn't get him, they had to pivot, figure something out. I mean, you have to go into that. They were talking to the Lions about Darius Slay during last season. Yes. So at that time, my assumption would be they had in their mind what a new contract would look like for Darius Slay. Maybe not exactly, but they, you know, as part of that process, you would have to figure out what's it going to take to keep him on a long term deal. So you go into the Byron Jones negotiation and you have to be looking at it at that point as we're either going to be going after Byron Jones or we're going to be making this move for Darius Slay with the compensation with the new contract. And so, you know, it's not a thing where you lose out on one and that you regroup and you say, all right, what can we do now? I mean, you go into that negotiation knowing what it's going to take to land Darius Slay. And then, you know, that could alter what you're willing to pay for Byron Jones. And so, uh, you know, to me, Byron Jones, you're not giving up the draft picks. Uh, to me, he has a higher floor because even if he loses that athleticism, well, guess what? You have a free safety on your hands in your three that who can still play, uh, who's a high character guy, all those different types of things. And, you know, maybe he just wanted to go to Miami. That's fine. But, you know, you can still sort of say we're going to pay a little bit more and try to bring him to Philadelphia. Like I'm reading explanations that he wanted a fresh start out of the NFC East. Yeah. I, I don't know who, Give me who a break said that. I have never heard an explanation like this. Yeah. When have you ever heard a player wants a fresh start out of, out a, of division? a division? Is that a thing? He wants I mean, to go I to Miami. List, I, like. I could list 79 different reasons for signing for a team, and I've never heard a player say that they wanted to go to like a different division, division. for a, I mean, a fresh start. What, I don't even know what that means. No. I don't even know what that means. So uh, that, to me, is also part of a bad process. And then the last thing I wanted to mention was, uh, you know, last season, I would say their cornerback situation was, I mean, I don't know if I, I don't want to call it rock bottom, but I mean, they dire. were decimated by, yeah, dire. And even then right. they finished, they finished 12th in defensive DVOA and 16th against the pass. So let's say you lose out on Byron Jones. Fine. You're not happy about it. You wanted to upgrade a corner. Could you not take a one year flyer on some of these 26 and 27 year olds who have not been having a lot of success elsewhere and say, well, you know what? We kind of scouted that guy. We liked him. Let's see if we can get him on a one year deal. Uh, you know, you have a few different options there. Like no one yes. wants to go into next season with Avante Maddox and Rasul Douglas that's not ideal but at the same time let's say you sign one other guy let's say you draft somebody in the in the second sign two guys draft somebody in the second round you're giving yourself a lot of different options at the same time you can use this money you just spent on Slay somewhere else and you're keeping the third and fifth round pick that to me is a much better plan for sustained success for getting the roster younger than what they just did I agree with everything you just said do you think Slay's a blue chip player? Blue chip? Uh, <laughs> do you think he's not player? I mean, I don't think he's. A, he's probably not a. I mean, if you're projecting into next season, is he going to be a top five corner? Which yes. I, I don't know. That would. I would say no. The odds against that are probably less than fifty percent. So no. So no. I mean, by all by by reports, he slipped a little bit last year. He was dealing with what a hamstring injury, some some nagging injury. Uh, that's not great, and. The one thing I will say for Darius Slay, the one thing that I like about him, well, two things. One, I, uh, somebody was tweeting and saying that he's supposedly uh, very good in the community and like good with kids. Okay, that's nice. The one thing I really like about Darius Slay. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, was that nice. a rationalization? Well, I don't know that. The one thing <laughs> I, that's a good, that doesn't go far for well. The one thing I really like about Darius Slay is that he, uh, to his core and publicly, knew that Matt Patricia was a fraud. So maybe he's a good judge of character. I'll give him that. <laughs> He does seem fun. I mean, uh, yeah, he seems fun. He seems like he seems like someone the fans could 
get behind. He doesn't seem like a, you know, a bad guy. He wanted a new contract, but so what? A lot of people want new contracts. He's been a very good player. He has ball production. Those are all true. Again, I mean, yeah, those, those are all true. It could work out. Uh, the thing that really concerns me is the fact that cornerbacks just yes. year over year, it changes. I mean, it really changes. And specifically when you're, when you're adding a guy who's 29 and not a guy who's 26, it, the chances of his performance really being different than what he's been over the last, whatever, three years, like there's a very good chance of that. And so that is what would make me very nervous if I were the Eagles. And by the way, the ball production, he had one year with eight interceptions and then it's been two every year, but, and, and three in 2018. It's not like he's yeah, like, so, you know, uh, Chris Burke was, was saying that, uh, don't just look at the interceptions says he's, he's really good at, at, at pass breakups. He's, he has a, a knack for making plays on the ball was, was kind of how Chris described okay. it. I also saw a Phil montage. I don't know who put it out there, but it was supposed to be a compliment. And it was like, look at his ability oh, to Cooper. play man coverage, a mirror technique. And his coverage was good. And he gave up about three plays of over 20 yards because <laughs> at the catch point, he was losing. So I don't know if this is a new uh, Ronald Darby or what, but uh, I am going to, I did, I was thinking, I want to do a piece. I'm going to watch uh, three games of Javon Hargrave. I'm going to watch three games of Darius Slay. And then I'm going to write up a piece about uh, what I think about both of them. So can, I don't want to come Can you do me a favor and, and watch uh, three games of Hassan Ridgeway and Nate Sudfeld as well? <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, you can't find I'm three try- games of these. I'm trying to think of a dollar amount you would have to pay me to, uh, to do that, even though I literally it's have actually, like almost nothing else to do. But it's not a lot of work. I mean, the Sudfeld one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Listen, listen, it's my job to give other people work. That yeah. doesn't work the other way around. But nice. Try. For Sudfeld, watch Week 17 in 2017, right. 2018, and you got it. And uh, yeah, exactly. I was I was thinking to watch I was thinking to watch Andre Dillard starts at left tackle. Mm. So. But nah, I don't know. I would have to be really motivated to do that. <laughs> and we know that's not, that, that, that ain't right. Yeah, I mean, you're putting in a lot of work this week. You can take the next month yeah, off. Yeah, you're doing I'd a say. good job this week. Oh, thank you. Okay, what else? Oh, <sighs> Devontae Camp goes to the Arizona Cardinals on a one-year deal up to $8.5 million. Up mm. to, of course. I'm sorry, guys. means that it's significantly less than that. Uh, but a one-year deal for Devontae Campbell, so that's interesting. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I know so, you were really so, hoping, on, so speaking hoping for of, that one. Of the up of the up to part of it, um, I do have a have a little. Uh, I wouldn't even call it like like news. Just a just a little information uh, on Roddy McLeod's deal. Ooh. Uh, because yeah. the reports came out two years for twelve million. My understanding is it's it's really two years, eight point six five million with uh, with like three point four in incentives. Uh, so I'm, I was in the process of writing a story this morning that was that was kind of and the story is going to come out either this afternoon or tomorrow, kind of going into detail on the Eagles offseason thinking. And, and then uh, and then Darius Slay came up. So uh, so that so but uh, that's that's going to be in there. Then that McLeod's deals more like two for uh, two for eight point six five with incentives thereafter. OK, a little, a little well, that's that that's quite a that's like a big difference you yeah. know so some sometimes you hear like it's you know a million and a half two million less but man three and a half million difference uh there so uh still i don't you know i don't know uh well on the same token we i guess we haven't mentioned malcolm jenkins got a deal with the saints a very reasonable uh, deal a very reasonable deal four years 32 million, 8 million a year. Uh, by my uh, looking at overthecap.com, it puts him outside the top 15 in annual salary for That's crazy. safety. So, so to everyone who was tweeting at me when I, I wrote that I didn't like the move and they said he was looking to be paid 12, 13, 14 million dollars per year. Now, listen, maybe he, I don't know, maybe he want, did he want out? I, it didn't seem like it, but maybe he just had had enough and wanted out. But in terms of the dollars that made it work, that certainly seems like a, a move or a contract that if the Eagles were able to make it work, it wouldn't have been crazy to keep him on that deal. And well, I mean, it's, it's, it's twice as much guaranteed, though. And yeah. So that's the thing. Yeah. That's, it's a two-year that, that commitment. Okay. Well, and well. speaking of that, and we, when, when, when they released him, we talked about, uh, you know, the Jim Schwartz influence. And I think uh, it's important to bring this up. You know, uh, Jeff McLean wrote that story in November about Jim Schwartz's sort of outsized influence for a defensive coordinator in terms of uh, personnel moves. 
it's hard to view the moves this week uh, without thinking of that in the back of your mind. The Eagles get rid of Malcolm Jenkins and they trade for a guy who Schwartz drafted. Like it's uh, if you want to say, you know, Schwartz has earned that influence. That's fine. If you want to make the joke that uh, Shield made the other day, that this is a way uh, to like scapegoat him in the future. If these moves don't go well, that's another possibility. It's just, I think you have to, you you have to, uh, you have to view these moves with that in mind. Don't you guys think? I certainly see validity there. Anytime you're talking about the direction of the defense, uh, you can't ignore the influence Jim Schwartz has. So with any decision, uh, whether it's, it's adding someone, subtracting someone, drafting someone, trading for someone, benching someone, um, yeah, it's, it's impossible to ignore the role Jim Schwartz plays. Yeah, that was an interesting piece, though, by by Jeff McLean, where it certainly indicated that, uh, you know, the personnel staff and Jim Schwartz were not always on the same page. And, you know, it sounded there like Jim Schwartz usually won out. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, I feel like at this point we're going on like, what, 12 years of not knowing when Howie Roseman was in charge and wasn't in charge. Uh, You know, at some point it's just got to be. Uh, if he's the person in charge of personnel and reports to Jeffrey Lurie, then I kind of want to just assume that if he he has veto power and, uh, you know, can can decide on those things. I don't know if that's right or not, but it's sort of exhausting to go through the entire exercise. Otherwise, no, I have I have one additional Malcolm kind of theory here that it's, okay. it's, it's something I've, I've, I've heard. And John Clark from NBC Philadelphia, NBC Sports Philadelphia, he actually wrote about this today from from what I understand, uh, which is that there's a desire organizationally to make it Carson Wentz's locker room. That, oh, geez. that Malcolm had had such like a strong presence in there and that um, that that Carson's the lock that it's that that they want Carson to be the guy in the locker room. And Shio, you can actually uh, lend some insight on this because the example that John Clark used, and it's it's um it's also something that has been uh, heard or, or or that's been discussed before, uh, was that Russell Wilson kind of was he took on a bigger role in the Seattle locker room after those big personalities, the Richard Shermans, Earl Thomases, after they were gone. Uh, do you see any validity to that? I think it's a terrible way of thinking. Uh, I mean, especially knowing Carson Wentz and his personality, you know, this is like the other thing, you know, it's, well, I guess let me, let me me stick with this, with this first. I mean, you know, what's happened to the Seahawks defense since that happened that, I mean, that was mostly, I think guys getting older. Now, certainly there was some of that. And that was also a situation where Richard Sherman was like, you know, verbally attacking Russell Wilson (laughs) during practices. Uh, I mean, from my understanding, Malcolm Jenkins, uh, has, that he has not been doing, you know, I don't think, at least from what I know, there's no friction or anything between him and Carson Wentz. I mean, it's it's really a strange theory, in my opinion. Like, I don't know, is Carson Wentz the one who wants to go up there and talk about, like, the state of the team when things aren't looking good or when there's, like, a social issue or some type of controversy? Uh, I, I don't think he wants to be. That guy, you know, from certainly what I've seen, I mean, I don't know, they won a Super Bowl with Malcolm Jenkins being their leader. I think that stuff is generally overrated. And I also sort of think like that they're overthinking, you know, what happened at the end of last year, right? So the young guys get in, it seems like it's energized Carson Wentz, the offense starts playing well. Uh, That certainly was a good thing, but I almost wonder if they're going too far. In, you know, like, I, I don't know, is that playing a role in them not bringing in a DeAndre Hopkins or a Stefan Diggs type player that they saw that happen and they said, you know what, we'll build it up through the draft with young guys. They'll all know Carson Wentz is the man. Like, I don't, I hate when these teams go from one sort, you know, they take these grand lessons. Like, it felt like after the Super Bowl year, then the lesson was, hey, we can hit on these uh, older veterans and build our team that way. 
and you know our hit rate's going to be just as good and we can win a Super Bowl. Well, that didn't work out. And now it's, well, you know, last year the younger guys came in, Wentz took control, everyone got energized, so now we're not going to add any veteran pieces to the offensive side of the ball. I mean, these, these are all like very reactionary ways of thinking, and there's a middle ground for all of this stuff. And I did have that thought yesterday, and and I don't, you know, the, the Jenkins thing, that that to me – Makes no sense. So you would be saying that the Eagles basically, you know, kind of decided it wasn't all financial. They kind of just decided they wanted to move on. Uh, that's a that's a theory I heard. That's I, a, I think a, a big a big part of it's financial. Um, but but like I said in our last podcast, I I think that the Eagles undervalued Malcolm Jenkins. I don't think Malcolm Jenkins overvalued himself because I I I and and we saw this with the contract he signed. Um, I'm I won't accept like spin that that Malcolm wanted to be paid like a top three top five safety that I I never heard heard that throughout the process and uh and the what he signed for wasn't that I just heard he he wanted to be compensated uh better than he was and clearly getting the guaranteed money was a factor there so uh the Eagles uh, you know I I think what what the, I think money was a factor and I think age was a factor I think overall the Eagles want to get out a, a year early than, than a year late on guys, but uh, I think Malcolm's the wrong person to try that with, in my opinion. I mean, the more I think about that theory, the more it just sounds so stupid. It's I mean, the dumbest thing. Mal- Malcolm Jenkins is probably the greatest, the the best leader I've ever covered. Now I'm not like you know I'm old, but I'm not like you know. 60. So I don't want to be one of the, I'm not going to make the case that I'm like a grizzled vet, but I mean, man, if you drew up what you wanted, like from a leader to make people feel included and involved and set the tone for the culture during the week in practice at meetings in the film room during games. I mean, remember that scene from all or nothing where they lose to the dolphins and he chucks his helmet, like who cared you know, this is a guy who had won two Super Bowls, accomplished a lot, made a lot of money, has outside interests. And like, look at how much it meant to him in that uh, in that moment right there. I mean, this is somebody who when there's real controversy, whether it's, you know, politics, social issues, going to the White House, uh, some a teammate, uh, you know, speaking at a turn like this is the guy who everybody just rushed to him because you knew he was going to address it in a thoughtful and meaningful way. I, I've never seen a player like he would have a crowd around him and he would be like, ask one question about going to the White House, another question about the scheme, another question about a younger player. Then so another reporter would come in who wasn't there in the beginning. They would ask the same question. Yes. He would answer it again. His, you know, when he made a mistake, he would go in the locker room. All right, it was me. We saw that clip again from All or Nothing where against the Vikings, he gives up a big play. First thing he does is go to the corner. My bad, my bad. That's on me. That's on me. Uh, all those, I mean, really, I can't even think of a scenario where you would, you would think that this guy's leadership is not a huge asset to the locker room and that you would want to think you could just hand that over to another player who is, you know, has a very much di- a very different style of leadership. Well, it's not the this, it's not the uh, I will read this excerpt uh, okay. and and I'm real curious Bo's reaction. But uh, here's the excerpt because I have the story in in front of me now. Uh, this is from John Clark who who is uh, who's who's very plugged in, I would say, okay? I think the biggest factor is changing the dynamic, turning this team over to their franchise quarterback Carson Wentz, and then a paragraph uh, I should say two paragraphs later you saw when Wentz you saw what Wentz was able to do this past season when the offense was ravaged by injuries at receiver down the stretch. Quote Carson and the kids. He led the team to the playoffs. He was free to be the leader with the younger receivers. They say he inspired him. I believe the decision to let Jenkins walk is about changing the overall dynamic of this team. So this is Wentz's locker room. That oh is gosh. such garbanzo beans, and it is not. Uh, it, like it, it's not the getting rid of Jenkins leadership because I agree that he was a great leader, but I also think, uh, as I wrote that, like if he was such a great leader, he would have prepared the people to step in for him. But the idea that he's like taking away from Carson's locker room, you know how you help Carson Wentz and like, uh, let it be his team. You get him some freaking talent at receiver. You don't like just get Seriously. rid of the, the, the other leaders on the team. So what now they're like, well, let's, let's make sure that everybody we bring in 
uh, is going to be going to uh, you know Bible study with Carson. We'll probably draft Antonio Gandy Golden, the receiver from Liberty, in the first round. Maybe we'll trade. <laughs> maybe we'll, maybe we'll trade for the. Um, the preacher who is like the assistant GM with the, the Texans. Maybe we'll give up a first round pick to bring that guy in. Like it, it doesn't matter. This stuff doesn't worry about the football team. Well, really? I mean, picture, picture in a me. Why don't you ask Carson? Hey, Carson, would you rather have Deandre Hopkins or would you rather have us uh, hand the locker room over to you? Really? What do you think you would say? Why don't you get me a guy who can make some plays? So I'm not thrown at these, you know, to these guys who can't do anything. All game long. I mean, really, don't you? You need to have a better sense of your players. Uh, this is a defensive player. Maybe if Malcolm Jenkins were like a wide receiver, then I would give that like a little. I mean, I still wouldn't, but you know what I mean. Like, but it's a little the, something. The offense yeah. and the the offense and the defense are separate entities. Like, so just for the record, do you guys not buy that, or 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 do you or or do you think it's it's uh it's just a bad thinking on the Eagles part like like do you no, think there's I, validity yeah. to it or do you oh think I buy that no he's heard that from somebody yeah I agree yeah I know I don't I'm not putting this uh on uh on John Clark I believe 100 percent that uh you know his reporting or what he's hearing tells him that and I think it's complete and utter nonsense and another reason I mean what is going on this offseason I don't know am I being too negative tell me am I being too negative about this offseason because no. I feel like every podcast we've had everything I've written for the last uh, 3 days has been pretty critical of this team but again that is how I feel about the moves in a vacuum and then the big picture moves This is I think pr- you were a little much on Hargrave Okay um, but right. uh no I I I think all, I think your reaction to slay and and what you said about Hargrave wasn't invalid it's it's just uh i'm i'm open to the idea that he can be a better pass rusher in this scheme than um than maybe what he's done so far and then uh but i think your opinion was was valid there then certainly slay malcolm big picture i i hear you there i i just i understood i understood what they were thinking with hargrave i just I'm curious to see if it will if it will work and how it will work. Uh, Hargrave, at, Hargrave, at the very least, you got a young, durable, yeah. high character above average, above average. I like starter. Hargrave. So that's a high. It's a high floor move. I don't. Uh, it's not what I would have done, but I yeah. So I, I will admit to that. So are they like are they going to run Big Bob Davis out there because he gets along with Carson Wentz and it's Carson and the kids like. I, I don't know. Well, I have heard that they really want to grow organically at wide receiver. Okay? That is so to, uh, dumb. They're going to be wasting Carson Wentz's prime with these trash receivers. If they can, if if they draft the way they drafted at the position, yes. Um, like, now, like, are you, you do you think they're expecting that JJ Ortega Whiteside is going to be a top three receiver for them next year? Ah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I do actually. Well, yeah, I mean, great. No, I I think that um, they're they're counting on Deshaun, their first round pick, mm. potentially, and uh, counting on Deshaun that'll work. This well, yeah. is the this is this is a classic case of the overconfidence article I wrote with uh, with Cade Massey and the rules for drafting in the first round. I mean, I I just did a uh, a podcast with our friend Arif Hassan for uh on the vikings did you shout us and, out you know they no why would i why on earth would the vike would vikings listeners be like oh boy he does a podcast well we, uh, on the eagles birds with friends Wait, is where that can kirk, i find that it, wow that's your first kirk cousins impression i'm proud of you <laughs> so no i didn't shout us out <laughs> i shout i sh- i shout out uh, you know, my teammates, when I speak in front of the company, when I'm talking about big picture stuff, that but, when I'm talking, but when I'm on a Vikings podcast, <laughs> I don't shout out my Eagles podcast. That would be stupid and, <laughs> and unnecessary. All right. Now I forget. Okay. What I was saying, <laughs> what I was saying was that, you know, he, I was asking him, you know, all right, they make this tra- trade, they trade away Stefan Diggs, they get good value. But, like, what's the plan? Their wide receivers are, are not good right now. They've got Adam Thielen and a bunch of nobodies. And, you know, he, he basically was saying a similar thing. Like, they're hoping that they can get a wide receiver 
uh, early who can contribute right away. Like they, I can't understand how teams can be this confident or overconfident right now. I mean, you're talking about what a 50, 50 proposition on first round picks. Everybody loves the top three guys. Guess what? Three teams are going to get those guys. Everybody else is not going to get those guys. It could be deep. It was deep last year. You got a guy who didn't contribute right away. So this isn't an either or proposition. You should be exploring the number one priority for this team should be exploring each and every avenue to help the quarterback have success. That has that, you know, that means draft. That means free agency. That means trade. That means taking some swing. I mean, if you take a swing on a wide receiver who's very talented and miss, and that ends up being a disaster, I would more than happy to live with that because of the upside than I would with some of these other moves that they've made. It is impossible. Like the, the the entire criticism of this offseason of moves comes down to the difference between Slay and Hopkins and the idea that they didn't want to they didn't want to trade or at least they gave the excuse whether it was true or not that that they didn't want to trade for Hopkins because they'd have to extend him and then they go and do that with Darius Slay who is older worse and plays a less important position and a less uh, dire need of a position for this team it's like. You, you cannot have it both ways. Well, I, I think that, and I could be wrong here. We'll see how it, it, it plays out during the 2020 season. I do think the Eagles overrate um, some of the elements on their roster. Or, so, or I say some of the elements. Some of the players and some of the positions on their roster. I, I think they have an inflated view of their own players in some cases. Uh, and, I, and they look, they know these guys better than I do. Uh, that could also be a shortcoming on their part. Um, so we'll see how it how it pans out. Uh, but there are you know positions such as as linebacker, for instance, where I don't expect the Eagles to to, to do much of consequence because they think that uh, that that guys like T.J. Edwards, um, you know, your Duke Rileys, uh, someone's going to step up. Um, I, I'm I okay think with they that. Think Jill- What's that? I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm but, fine well, with well, that. Well, still, so then, so then, so then, let's let's go to wide receiver. I think yeah. they were misled. Well, I don't even want to say mis- misled, but I, I, I think what happened in December uh, with with the young, you know, with the practice squad guys and with the way Carson played, I think that made them think. Well, if you have the quarterback and you have fresh legs, um, you can make this work. Oh God! Uh, and I, you know, now I don't think their plan is to have Greg Ward, Robert Davis, JJ Ortega Whiteside as as their top three receivers next year. But I also don't think they're viewing this like they did back in two thousand and four, where it's like we need to go get To, or like they were viewing this in two thousand. You know what? They're going to be viewing it like that in two years when they've wasted Carson Wentz's prime, and all of a sudden they need to. Oh, you know, they're going to do exactly what they did with Darius Slay. They're going to trade a you know a second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins again when he's thirty years old. <laughs> yeah, but but no. So I I think that that the idea of growing organically at wide receiver having. Carson's guys, so to speak, is something that's important to them as opposed to 2017 when they signed Alshon, signed Torrey Smith, and built it that way. I, I think they're much more interested in having kind of a group that, that, that Carson molds and develops with him. I am already so annoyed by Carson's guys. Yeah. Like that theme. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, well. Here we are. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, Sheila, what are you wearing right now? Oh, well, that, that's a good question and one that I uh, would not have thought of if you didn't ask, to me, ask me about it. Uh, let me think about it for a second here before telling you. Probably joggers. Oh. I feel like all you wear is joggers. It's all you talk about. Okay, that's uh, putting me in a box. So <laughs> I don't think that that's totally fair. Now, I, I, I am actually in some formal wear. I am in a, uh, I am in a tux, the black tux, believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo for their big day. Did you know the black tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? It turns out they are not alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible. Unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween, 
We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings you suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it out one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with code BIRDS. That's blacktux.com. Code BIRDS for 10% off your purchase, the Black Tux. Formal wear for the moment. You ever been to a wedding that you remember for the wrong reasons? Uh, probably, but I, I don't really think we should get into that right now. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I thought I could make for right, some interesting else? conversation. Well, yeah, I don't have much for you. Okay. Um, all right. What do you make of, uh, beyond this, there's like some rumor that maybe the Eagles are in on Yannick and Gakwe. Is that right? Yeah. Sam? I've gotten multiple texts about this from people during the, uh, podcast. Oh, who are you going to just, uh, people texting you? Is it Howie again? <laughs> this one wasn't Howie or, or, or this, this wasn't Howie. Um, no, it, it's, Vinnie Curry? Uh, <laughs> no, it, uh, he apparently, and Gakwe, um, uh, posted on, his Instagram, the I don't even call it. I won't even say it's it's a bird emoji. It's a bird picture type thing. Um, and this happened and yesterday, then, right? With um, uh, Dante Fowler, he tweeted the eagle emoji, but it turned out he was going to the Falcons. Yeah, so eagle, and then it was that 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 vulture, and then the next thing was a picture of Reggie White in an Eagles jersey, pass rushing. Oh, oh really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. So. Oh, I what mean, are they going to do? Give up? Sure give up their first round pick for Ngakwe, and then just have a second round pick <laughs> for for a uh, a guy who wins contested catches? You know, for, yeah. They, yeah, for T. Higgins. <laughs> could they trade a pl- could they trade a player for Ngakwe? Well, let's see who uh, who on the team likes turkeys that they could get rid of to make the locker room a little bit more Carson friendly. Oh, I, w- <laughs> I was confused there for a second. I'm like, what is he talking about? Uh, I don't know. I mean, what would the Jaguars like? Presumably, there are other teams in, uh, who are interested in Yannick Ngakwe, so it's got to be something, right? Like Derek Barnett, or uh, I mean, no, I, I mean that's a team that's that's rebuilding. So it's, I mean, well, that's why. He's, well, they're 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 doing nothing smart. So I would encourage the Eagles to call them and come up with an offer. They're a total disaster. Uh, they don't know what they're doing. They're making weird moves all over the place. They're dumping salary. Then they're signing like Joe Schobert for like an <laughs> eleven million a year. So they're completely clueless. So I would call them and offer them some yeah, low. But the ball Eagles deals. have nothing to offer. Would you offer the twenty twenty one first round pick? No. Uh, I'm asking you. <laughs> would you have, would you offer your twenty twenty one? I like not not this year's pick, but next year's pick, so you can plan ahead and you get a twenty four year old edge rusher. Who, you know. The only thing that I can think of is that, that explains these moves is that the Eagles have decided the world is going to end and they're going to bet on that, and so they're just going to mortgage all their future assets. Oh, so, so now, then you should have oh, paid more for Byron Jones. Yeah. I don't know. Would, could they trade? Uh, Shit, could, would you do that? Your 2021 first rounder? No. I, really like, I really like an Ngakwe. And he is young, and he does play a premium position. I would think about that. Oh, the problem God. is no com- way. the problem. The problem is compounding uh, okay. everything you've done with that. I mean, I wouldn't have done the other stuff. Uh, you know, if, if like if you didn't sign uh, Hargrave for thirteen million, you throw that towards Ngakwe. You sign him for twenty million. It doesn't look that bad. You think they could get the Jaguars interested in uh, T.J. Edwards and Greg Ward? <laughs> they probably think they can. Yeah. <laughs> Would you trade? Would you include? Would you trade Derek Barnett and a pick and a pick for uh, Ngakwe? I would. Yes. But what I, kind I of don't pick? They... Second rounder. No. 
No, uh, not no. now. They don't. They, they then they've got a first round pick in a late third. It's again, like you said, it's compounding. You can't. How, how could they afford to give up another high draft pick after just giving one up for Slay? Do you, could you do a deal where the Jaguars get your first round pick every year and Gakwe has double digit sacks? Sure. And when he has nine, you just like remove him from the game, or that could probably backfire, right? How about yeah, that's good. How about they how about they trade uh, for Ngakwe and give them make it a three way deal uh, with the Bears and they give the Jaguars Nick Foles. Uh, all right, now now you're thinking outside the box. <laughs> how uh, about Wentz? No, I, I let's uh, make this Ngakwe's locker room. I think you have to give this a. I think you have to give them a premium pick un- unless it becomes like a uh, a clowny situation. As as this goes on, where they're where just he looking, uh, they're sneaks just up behind Carson together. Wentz in the locker room and just pounds his head into the pavement. I met a clowny situation with Houston when he <laughs> was tagged. He, you know, uh, and they were just like, "Let's get something for him." But I can't imagine they're at that point. God, I'm sorry that there like there are Eagles fans who are excited about the Darius Slate trade, and we are just you know making <laughs> their weeks worse. But I just, yeah, there so, is, but. There is potential for this to be the off-season version of the Rams post-game pod. Yeah. Like like Darius Slay is just an all-pro next year. The defense dominates. They get to the Super Bowl, and people just replay this over and over. Like, I'm not, they're not winning actually game, kidding. They're like, winning games like, like, like six to nothing because they can't do anything yeah, on offense. Yeah, like there is the, – there's certainly – I mean, there's a distribution of outcomes, and there's a possibility that he's very good. I just don't like the move. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys, I think you need to separate the, uh, like, like the player from the plan, okay? Because I'm, I'm with you on the plan element of it that uh, you're not getting younger, you're not collecting draft volume. I don't even know if you, if if you're going with like a model of health. He's missed some time either. So all these things you said you wanted to focus on, you kind of go against that. Uh, but I think they got a good player and they improved their defense, and I, I think you can lose sight of that with with like the team building element of it that all all the team building uh complaints are valid but i do think you need to acknowledge that they improved their cornerback situation and if if the alternative is is signing cornerback x who's still on the market uh, i don't have shields list in front of me um but uh that he's chances are he's not gonna be better or nearly as productive if you do kind of wins above replacement than uh, as as Darius Slay I would, would rather have I would rather have uh, you know we'll say our old friend well Kevin Johnson I'd rather have Kevin Johnson oh my god Malcolm <laughs> Jenkins and like Logan Ryan for money and sign like, you know one of these low tier wide receivers in free agency and still have my third round pick than trading for Darius Slay yes you I really would. love this third round pick like uh, it's well how else I are mean, they going to get younger like they can't just no, keep I, doing I mean, this. I just think like so. So they they clearly drew the line at a second round pick. Um, what Chris Burke was saying was that the Lions That's great. wanted. Like, uh, uh, no, I will not give you my whole house, but you can have most of the rooms instead. Like, they no, drawing a line I, I mean, doesn't. It's, they're still giving up too much, and paying him. And by the way, a second round pick. If you're gonna do it, a second round pick, you would have at least got it for uh, half of last year. Maybe you yeah, win so a you, play another playoff game or something. So you could have done a second-round pick last year, it sounded like. They they wanted – well, first uh, – Chris Burke was saying a first-round pick, uh, either a first or a second. They were going into the offseason hoping for a second, and then here they get a third and a fifth. Um, so, yeah, like, it, you know, I agree with what Shield said. If, if you could have gotten this done at the deadline, um, it would have been better. Uh, but here you are now. You don't give up your second, Okay. Um, your third round pick, I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm not one giving away third round picks. Okay. Uh, but you're getting a, a premium player on the at, downside. Well, we'll see that. We don't know that part. We don't know. Yes. He's, he's 29 years old. Um, yeah, you know, look, I, I just think that that you're improving your secondary, like you're you're improving a position that you, that you needed to improve. So I 
I'm not giving them any credit in terms of like the team building element of it, but I think they're a better football team having made this trade. On the whole, I don't know that your the moves they've made have improved their secondary. By the way, I agree because, because you lost Malcolm Jenkins. Oh, true. In your, and so you finished 16th last year. Guess where I would pro- I would project <laughs> them to be right around mediocre. You know, right around. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, really, what is the upside of this secondary even with adding him? I I mean, so anyway, well, I'm, I gotta I'm go. Not them I gotta. For okay. Well, we'll we'll do more podcasts. You gotta what? Did, what were you gonna uh, say? I've got a chat I've got to do at 2 o'clock. So, you know, if you're listening to this, you can go reread that. I'm on a new caffeine regimen where I have a espresso uh, every afternoon around this time. And it's been working out great. I haven't been getting tired. So I got to go make that before my uh, chat. You ever do an espresso? Just a straight espresso. Yeah, I don't mind an espresso. All right, don't don't espresso machines uh, take yeah, up a lot of space? A, we got a nice... Oh, we got a great DeLonghi coffee. It's, it's, it's already paid for itself. We bought it in the fall for like 200, 250 bucks. We haven't been to a co- You know, we don't go to coffee establishments. We just make it all at home. You were preparing for it's the quarantine already- before the rest of us. I feel like, I feel like an Indian Tony Soprano. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, like, I think that <laughs> should be the next, the next drop. Uh, okay. Well, that'll do it for this, uh, this emergency trade podcast if the eagles trade for yannick and gakwe we'll uh, get back together again tonight for zach and shield i'm Bo, and as always we love you